Avenue. This is the Black Country Blokes chewing the fat about everything it is mental health, disability, and life in general. Here with me, Kev Dillon and Lee Cadman, and our very, very special guest today <laughs> is the legend, <laughs> which is Blind Dave, who's about to have a phone call by the looks of it. That's our two out of the last three guests have done this, haven't they, Lee? They have, yeah. <laughs> we're, not, we're not doing great with phones just lately, are we? <laughs> you, you put them in your pocket and forget about them, don't you? <laughs> Until the wrong it, moment. It's like my wife's purse, that is. <laughs> uh, we won't mention that. <laughs> but we're going to start today. I mean, Dave, another one of the hometown heroes with myself, we'll talk about that. He's just had a massive award. I mean, we were just saying, considering it's been such a t- up and down year, he's actually had a good one. But before we go into all that, we're going to start as we do every week. As we do at our support group at the Lions ABC every Wednesday, 7 till 9pm, as our main only support group. And that is what we're grateful for. Me this week, I mean, oh, quite a lot to be grateful for. It was my birthday on uh, Saturday, so me and Kate went out on the Friday. I saw loads of my good old friends on the Saturday and... It's the first time we've all got together in ages and just having a belly laugh. Also broke up from um, broke up from the gym and Jasmine, my daughter's finished school and just having that daddy daughter time and playing and doing crafts and those simple things that often we overlook and those those things that spending time with our loved ones and having a belly laugh are often overlooked. Lee, what are you grateful for? I'm actually looking for I'm grateful for not being at work. Yeah. You know, it's um well, I have, been, I have been a bit, but not not as much as usual. You know, I come from um, running pubs, so this time of year it used to just be manic running around, trying to get everything done, trying to get everything ready for Christmas Day. Um, so it's great not to not to have to do that anymore, and I'm looking forward to a Christmas lunch. You know, sit down and and sit and eat Christmas lunch. Saying about like pubs, though, I was in uh, Birmingham on Friday, and how quiet Brum was, considering it's the week before Christmas. Then we were out on Saturday and we were going to restaurants and how many people cancelling their works do? And yeah. I know so many people are going, oh, well, I'm going to do. But I think the general feel of it is there ain't as many people. Because normally this time of the year, well, I always remember it. I mean, I don't go to the pubs as much as I used to. But this time of the year, every pub was chock-a-block, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a great time to be out and about. Yeah. And every time you passed a pub, the door was open and it was, we wish you a Merry Christmas. You know, <laughs> yeah. It was the Christmas spirit. Mm. And I don't know, it's, it ain't just only the pandemic that's quashed that. It's like I was saying, you know, uh, five minutes ago. I think just commercialisation is killing it now. You know, you, you, you go and buy a Christmas card in four quid. Mm. It's only be 20p. You know, it, it's just, it, I just think everything is now out of proportion. And so many people, unfortunately, and it's especially for the kids, because of the expense and because people, you know, are struggling to put, if you want food on the table, mm. um, kids go with that. But there again, you know, I used to have a, a whipping top when I was a kid, you know, which probably cost, you know, a, or a train set, which cost a couple of quid nowadays. Everything seems to cost hundreds and hundreds of pounds. Well, when you know, it's sorry, sorry. Kev, but we've me and my wife have changed the way we we do a lot of it now because mm. we used to get presents and but you're ordering stuff year year round now and yes. and by the time you come for Christmas there's nothing really that you want so you yep. just end up buying stuff for the sake of buying Correct. it so we just said look we won't do that and I also do for the last probably five years I also buy my kids a present off myself because I spent a lot of 
time working and whatever yeah. else and wasn't really involved in getting their presence. Yeah. Um, so I bought, but I've always, apart from the last couple of years, just because of circumstance with COVID, I've always bought them an experience. Mm. So things like my son wanted to do um, the the London Eye. So I brought yeah. in that's where yeah. went. So it was more of an experience. Like yeah, this year yeah. I'm taking my, my daughter to a rage room just because I think, again, we've, They've got everything. They've got absolutely everything. They don't need. Yeah. But actually, these things are things that he remembers. I speak to my son now, and he, he remembers going up on the London Eye and spending mm. the day in London with his yeah. dad. Well, like, the kids say to me, and I, well, I've said to them, "Look, me and your mom don't want nothing. You know, we don't want nothing, and, and that's not being ungrateful. But we don't want nothing else to put in a drawer." Mm. And I said, "If you want to buy me that Toblerone and a fruit and nut and a couple of cans, I said I'll eat them and drink them." And I said, I, you know, I'll cherish them just as much because they come from you. And, and you know, it's like, what do I need now at my age, if you know what I mean? One thing that money can't buy me is my sight. Um, but it's just great that the kids say, well, here's a can, Dad. That's what you want. Thank mm. you very much indeed. Just lovely to open Christmas morning and say Merry Christmas. Um, you know, and that's it, isn't it? You know, because, as you say, we just seem to buy everything when we want it, all year round now. Mm-hmm. And, and as we've said, like, the fiver is the new pound, the 20 is the new fiver, but the, the wages haven't gone up, have they? And no. uh, when you have a look at the, the adverts on the telly, and you're looking at pound shop quality toys that are very expensive, <laughs> and I'm thinking, blooming heck. And it's, oh, well, I, I want uh, an LOL or what are these sad things. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, and it, it's 10, 20, 30, 50, 70, and you're thinking, for something you're not going to play with, it's just going to yep. sit there. Yep. And then we're almost guilty as parents, because we all say, oh, we're not going to spend this much this year. You're guilted into this, you're guilted into that. And my daughter's still very young. She hasn't got to that that age of keeping up with the Joneses. Mm. You know what I mean? Whereas you've got to have this computer, you've got to have this game, you've got to be seeing to this. And it's just a minefield, and... One of my best friend's sister's daughter, as the uncle, for some £300 sliders, these slippers, basically go out in. Uh, no, thank you. And you're thinking, how can a child, not a teenage young woman or young <laughs> man, it's a baby. I, I, I had all my clothes from CNA. I didn't have a, bra- a, a named clove up until I was... Hey, I was lucky. Mine come from Tesco or the second-hand shop. Yeah, yeah. But it's... But it's... We're almost allowing our children to dictate that they've got to be a fashion model. And you're thinking, no. You should be out being muddy and filthy and grotty. Yep, exactly. It's not in your 300-pound trainers. No, I don't have them. (laughs) Let kids be kids is what I was saying. If they're going to go and chuck mud, let them chuck mud. And that's, you know... They grow up too quick anyway, so... I'd rather them, you know, I mean, mine now are three girls, uh, 18, 20 and 31. And hopefully we've given them the dolls and, you know, we, 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 we've come up with them and I've tried to keep them as a kid as long as I can. Mm. But suddenly them driving, them university, them growing up. So, but we've had our years with them and we still will have different years with them now, you know. So hey, it's all, it's all good. It just gets more and more expensive. <laughs> ah. Um, so, Dave, um, what what are you grateful for? What am I grateful for? I guess getting up every morning and breathing. But uh, no, I mean, you know, this year has not been a bad year for me. And with restrictions that are coming down, 
what I have been grateful for is I've actually been out to work a couple of times and to stand on a stage holding a lectern and talking to a live audience is fantastic. Uh, you know, I've done a few Zooms and Teams and I don't like it. I just do not like it. Uh, but I've had the opportunity over the latter couple of weeks to to talk to people, to talk to a live audience, and it's been fantastic. So I'm grateful to that. You know, um, uh, you know, we're all we're all grateful for the the family involvement. So you know, that is just something that there is just there, and it's lovely. Um, but now, I think now with the restrictions lowered a fraction. It's given a little bit of normality back, and that is something I'm truly grateful for. I think the cruel thing with restrictions being put in place, then taken away, then put in place and taken away, mm. it's like when we, me and um, my beautiful wife Kate, we went away um, last Friday, we had an night in Brum. Mm. But even on the Friday, I couldn't get excited about it, just in case we couldn't stay in a hotel. If our hotel, if we had a lateral flow and we were positive, mm. and it's it's like um, I know people are going away this Christmas, and normally when you're going away, it's four more sleeps, four more sleeps, and we'll be there. Mm -hmm. And at the moment, you can't allow yourself to be excited in case it's pulled from under you. I know, I know, I know, and that's that's the difference. So let's just hope we turn into 2022, and you know restrictions are being sort of withdrawn at the minute or reined in, as we say in in England, by a good old Boris. Uh, and let's hope the new variant isn't as bad uh, as I'm hoping that it isn't. And and let, let's hope that normality sort of remains with us, which would be great, because I just think we've still got to live, haven't we? We've got to live. We've got to live. And I think, uh, yeah. Lee, should we go to a couple of beats and then we're going to come into, because once again, Dave has had such a remarkable year. We're going to try and touch on some of it today. And we're going to get into, we're going to go in different sections today, but we're going to go into Hometown Hero. Sahara Desert, 6am on a morning, the start line, and that was thrown through at 2,000 million decibels and, you know, every animal in the desert for 100 miles must have heard it. It was fantastic. Oh, but there we go. Was that on your run or when you were Yeah, on the run in the desert, oh. If, uh, yeah, before the Hometown Heroes, I mean... Yeah. Uh, anyone who, who missed our first uh, show with Dave, mm -hmm. I mean, the man who runs seven marathons in seven days in... Seven continents. Tell us about it. It was brilliant. Uh, I'll tell you what, if I'd got a week, it would be fabulous. There were so many stories. You know, it was it was incredible. Um, uh, Falklands, Rio, uh, LA, Sydney, uh, Sydney, Dubai... Uh, Dubai, 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 T uh, Tunisia, and then good old London Marathon to finish. Uh, an incredible 183.4 miles we ran on the floor, and I travelled 35,000 miles in the air to do it. Uh, it was just an unbelievable um, experience, challenge. I mean, I've got some stories that you know I could share with you, but. We we literally would be here all night and tomorrow night and the night after. It was just, it was just incredible, incredible, and it was a you know a, a, one of those adventures that I'm glad I've done. Uh, am I going back? No, um, <laughs> and you know it, it just brought forward every other adventure now that I've, I've been a part of. But they they all hold something special. They're all tough in their own right. They've all got fabulous fabulous memories. The amount of people that were involved in it, the friends that I've made, not only in this country but around the world, it just 
it it's been a, an unbelievable sort of well what 20 years of running it's just been incredible was that your first big charity thing yeah. that you did i mean i'd done the london marathon a few times and I, and I was always looking for that that one to make a few bob more and a few bob more and then serrano fines ran it um and then i decided to do it as a disabled blind person and it raised a few bob in fact uh, I did that one for Guide Dogs for the Blind, and we, we'll never know what that particular adventure raised because it's left a legacy, you know, for puppy training, puppy uh, puppy walking, and there's still money, they say, coming in from that challenge. So it's just something that we'll never, ever know what it raised. It was worth, to Guide Dogs, publicity-wise, I think it was £6.4 million. Um, for the, the you know the TV coverage, radio coverage, and press, and then we raised. Oh, well, again, I just do not know what we raised, um, and it'll go on for infinitum, I'm guessing, and I hope it does, because you know it, it was just worth it. And, and, and the many the amount of people that had have uh, inspired as well to go I on and do so. challenges and and yeah. and push themselves in life and yeah. and in spite of in spite of um your disability yeah. you know it, it doesn't stop you does it not at all. i mean no and and what is lovely when you know we go to different places and you do meet up with people and they go you know what we've got you to blame and i go what them seven marathons or the top to toe or it's your fault that i'm running and i said i'm sorry and they go now dave absolutely brilliant so how many people you know, truly have been inspired. I do not know. What money will eventually be raised? I ain't got a clue. But it's the awareness that now it's creating for, you know, more importantly, the charity that I support wholeheartedly now, the Albion Foundation, which is, you know, disability and, and uh, special needs and uh, underprivileged kids. So it's just the awareness that it creates. So hopefully then people then decide where they want to put whatever funding they want to put. If it's with the, the Albion Foundation, fabulous. If it ain't, they've had the option and they know all about it. You know what I mean? I remember um, I was, someone gave me a phone call and said, Kev, turn on the news. There's this uh, blind guy from around here who's in the marathons. And he has, I put it on and I remember crying at the time. I, was, I had a tear in my head and I was thinking, blooming brilliant. And I was dying to meet you. But I was thinking, when was he? 2008. 2008. So it's like, well, what? Do I write him a letter, of course, eh? No. Yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking, well, they don't give out the phone numbers. And it wasn't until we um, got named to Hometown Heroes yeah, yeah. and I said to Rose, and I said, I've got to meet, I've wanted to meet this bloke yeah. for the best part of 20 years. And I, I, I can't wait to meet him because it, it was remarkable. And who was the bloke you ran it with? The, the I mean, guide at the time was Mac. Um, I ain't seen him for, well, never seen him. But, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, he, he went off the scene, uh, left the running club. Um, uh, he got divorced and, and he's remarried again, I believe. And he just knocked all the running, the cycling and everybody. And he sort of disappeared. Mm. So we, we, the lads from the running club, and um, and I think Deb bumped into him about three or four years ago. But he, he just, that, that was his decision, you know. Mm. He, him and his new wife decided to start a new life and do it their way. And, and good luck to him, but no, I haven't seen him since. And... Um, you know, it's I've got new and fresh guide runners now, and he could have been a big part of the team. But hey ho, it's individual decisions, isn't it? You know what I mean. But uh, I think no, I was proud and privileged, and I said to him at the time when we finished, I was proud of him, and I thanked him for giving me the opportunity to be able to do it. Um, so yeah, it was it was one of them adventures. 
I think life's a funny old thing, though, isn't it? Some people come into your life yeah. at the right time, yeah. and sometimes they leave at the right time. And of I course. think sometimes with friendship, it could be relationships, yeah. sometimes we overstay our welcome, yeah. and we try and force it. Well, I've known him for 20 years. Yeah. And again, but the last the 15 years were brilliant. The last five have tracked. Yeah, so, I... so before we fall out, yeah. let's just... You know it... what I'm feeling, Kev. At least thinking he's something up. People moving in and out of your life. And I've met so many people and I haven't seen, you know, people for a long, long time and then suddenly they're back in your life. Mm. And so... I, I always say we, you know, I don't believe in the crystal ball, but I believe we're fated. We're on a path, and you know, we go left and right. Sometimes we meet people, we come back, we we catch hold of people again, and you know, and life goes on. But I've got a lot of pals who I haven't spoke to with the pandemic for two or three years, but I know to, you know, if I met them tomorrow, <coughs> it'd be like it was yesterday, and we just continue where we left off. You know, so that's lovely. Something I was going to mention to you, because we had a, one of our podcasts the other day and I was talking about invisible disabilities, mm. you know, where if you don't look disabled, yeah. they, you know, people... And it reminded me of one of our conversations, because um, I had a bad experience the other day um, with it. Uh, they have, they've apologised, by the way, Lee. Brilliant. So, you know, so I won't mention who it is today. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I remember when I used to get... Uh, my brother used to live in Thailand. So I used to get a, um, an assistant to get me on and off the planes. Mm. And I'd go like, to Abu Dhabi, to, all around the world, and they'd be blooming brilliant. Yeah, Sir, I, yeah, yeah. I, did, I used to smoke at the time, but was like a cigarette, can I take you? Would you like to get aftershaves? Would you like a drink? Yeah. Do you need the toilet? The only time I had problem was in the UK. Oh, that's, that's yeah, exactly, yeah. And I remember Unfortunately. When, we, when we were talking at, because um, you've been here, there and everywhere, and you've had the same experiences, haven't you? Yeah, it's it's crazy. You come back to your own country and you'd think that, you know, but you go anywhere in the world and as soon as I see the stick, <coughs> excuse me, I think I've swallowed a frog, <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, oh, great, you're, but here, oh, my God, I don't, know, I, I don't know what it is. I really do not know what it is, but hey-ho, we just get on with it, don't we? And yeah. I think because we're the United Kingdom and we've paved the way, and you're thinking, you are paid to be an assistant, a guide, you should be more understanding than just a, a waiter or a waitress in a restaurant. <laughs> this is in your job description. And just because they don't necessarily look disabled, yeah. they've got a doctor's note, so you've got to kind of take the word for it. I oh, know, it's, it's, it's crazy. But, hey, it is what it is, and nowadays I just take it on the chin and, you know... If you're walking towards a column or a set of steps, it's amazing how many people are, whoa, 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 mate. Oh, right, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. But well, uh, I've had some laughs with it as well. As much as as much as much you think, oh, I could do with a little bit of help. But I have had a, I have had a lot of laughs where I'm wearing folk up as well, so perhaps it works. <laughs> you're putting people off, basically, for everyone else. Right, <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, sorry, we, we did blanch on the hometown heroes, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, well, the hometown heroes, we both had a... Yeah. A lovely bit of uh, news that we both had. Was there 14? Yeah, there's 14 of us in there uh, across the, um, is it the, the well, let's say the region. Uh, and I, I, well, when I heard, I felt a bit special. Mm. You know, when people say, oh, you've done so much, you've done this, you've had that. But again, it's, it's when you get something like that and to be awarded a hometown hero, you don't expect it. It's not your right, mm. but when you're given it, you know, and you said, look, you, and you think, wow. And, Kev, 
as I say, there's 14 of us and the special moment for me, well, it's been a special moment since I was awarded that title, if you want to. But I think you may agree when we went to London and we, if you want to, we started off the Queen's Baton Relay, didn't we? Yeah. And that day was very special and I'll tell you why. My dad was in the Queen's coronation uh, all them years ago in 1953 and he marched up the mall as he was in doing his national service. I wanted to join the army and couldn't for obvious reasons but I've run down the mall 16 times in the London Marathon and to have the opportunity along with Deb and you know the rest of the crew to walk, step, march behind those three marching bands mm -hmm. up the mall to walk onto the forecourt of Buckingham Palace, each of us to have time to hold that baton before the Queen put her message in, for you to place it on its stand, for us to, to take centre stage for seconds, but we took centre stage, sit on them seats and then for H to actually present it to Her Majesty. You know what? That half an hour was it? Maybe, let's say an hour. That, that, but those 60 minutes, those moments, they are special in my life and I'm sure they're special in yours and the rest. But that for me is another one of those unbelievable experiences that you know what? It'll never happen again. And I've, it been, I've been privileged to... I was in the Paralympic opening ceremony in 2012 on a tandem and that was incredible. I also had the opportunity to carry a torch up in Cobridge in Stoke, which was again phenomenal. But to actually be able to carry, to touch, to be a part of that, that baton relay, marching up behind those bands, their hair stood on end, and I don't mind admitting it to you now, and my missus knows, the tears flowed because I thought of my dad, I thought of the times I've run it, I'm thinking of we're doing it now, the 14 of us being a part of it, presenting to the... Ah, oh, you couldn't have had a finer moment, could you? As you say, when that music and all the bands yeah. kicked off, oh. and then we were, cause we were still at the back, you and Deborah in front of me yeah. and our Kate, and one of the guys come over in his bearskin hat. Yeah, we was having a rabbit hole. And he come over, I remember you telling the story about your dad. Yeah. And it... It, it big, was fantastic. And seeing this guy, and he's... Big dudes, man. Yeah. Big and all his finery and the yeah, hats yeah. and I've seen it on telly. And, but when it stood there and you were... Oh, and as you say, even the biggest chatterbox, you had to go quiet, didn't you? And just yeah. go, it's happening. I know. <laughs> and we walked up and there must have been a smile from here to here. And then mm. when I got the, the bat on in my hand, you know, there was that smile went even bigger. Mm. And then, you know, pass it back and then, you know, you've done what you had to do. But it was just, them are memories that you will have. And I'm hoping that, you know, you included, so the other 13, uh, including myself, we have them memories for life. Mm. Because nobody can take them memories away from you. And it was just one special occasion. Really was a special occasion. And as you say, it's been wonderful. I mean, having... The Commonwealth Games in Birmingham mm. is so remarkable, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. having my dad who's a GB boxing coach and he's getting them ready, the boxing side for them. So it feels like yourself, like with your dad saying about um, 
being in the in the Queen's Jubilee uh, uh, coronation. coronation yeah. uh, but it's like I feel like it's a family thing because my dad's training the athletes now. Yeah, yeah. I've done my bit in it, and it's it feels special, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's Birmingham. I mean, you know, I'm from West Brom, and you know, we always have this knockdown. We're between us, <coughs> Black Country folk, and the and the Brummies, but it don't matter because. When I was down in London in 2012, you know, and again, you know, you got the Cockneys down there and you, but do you know what? There was something special mm. and it was nice to be there. And them Cockneys, them, them Londoners, they made it for me. Yeah. They, they were very special and I think they made the games. And, and even now we'll knock the Brummies, but the Brummies will do us proud as well. But the whole region will do us proud. And I'm hoping that it does put uh, the West Midlands on the map and Birmingham being the second city. You know, I just hope he puts us on the map because I'm sick and tired of, you know, we are the second city, but sort of Manchester and Liverpool get the mm. recognition. Why? We're the second city, Birmingham, and we deserve it. And, you know, we're going to make a we're going to make a fantastic legacy for the rest of this country. Behind I'll, the 2012 games, I think. I went to the uh, 12, uh, 12 Olympics and... Um, as you say, getting on the train normally mm. in London, the underground. But people, who have you come to see? What have you come to see? Yep. And there was an electric ever. Normally head down, looking at the phone, but yep. everyone was buzzing. They couldn't yep. wait to talk. And, could, oh, who are you with? Can I have my photo yeah. with you? And Direct you and help you and be mm. a part of it. Oh, you, you, 2012 was special, but I think 2022 in Birmingham mm. is going to be just as special. And hopefully it all trickles out to mm. the black countries and the surrounding areas. Yeah. And it brings a bit of um, enthusiasm about yeah. sport, a bit of enthusiasm about life. Yeah. They spend a bit of money, bring something back to the area, and hopefully... I mean, you know, when you when you look at our, our own particular regions, the black country, when you look at what, if you want to, just a few items of what we got. I mean, for me, Samwell Valley is the jewel in the crown for West Brom. It's a, a beautiful park and mm. a valley and, um, you know, um, country park. There's so much to do there. You've got the Black Country Living Museum. Love it. You know, and that's absolutely incredible. I mean, you, you go over the other side, you've got Cadbury World. Mm. You've got Birmingham and, and various things that are going on in, in and around. But you've got so much in the area. You've got the canal systems. Mm. There's some fabulous walks and rides to be had there. You know, the lung boats are still trudging up and down. Uh, you've got Dudley Zoo. It's And you've got the black country folk themselves. You know, because until people, I think, have experienced what we're about, they don't realise that what we say is what we'll do. Mm. And we're we're a fun-loving bunch. We're, you know, we're, they sometimes, I, I get this, come to the conclusion that most think, hey, yo, mate, how are you doing? They think we must think as whatever. <laughs> but I don't think there's there's anybody like a black country man and woman that you, you, you see what you get and you get what you see. And it's as simple as that. Honest, hard-working folk, and yeah. th- you know that's why we called ourselves the Black Country Blokes yeah. um, as the podcast because we're blokes from the Black Country, and yeah. you know, and I want that to be known. So, I mean, we've got some countries on the list now, haven't we, Lee? You know, who, who listen to us in places, worldwide. literally worldwide. Yeah, it's brilliant. I think uh, our second most watched on the podcast currently is Denmark. Ah, oh. top of my head. But we've been in Malaysia, Brazil, Brazil. It's, and it's lovely. So hopefully the expats might know us, but people will go, 
what is this? Black country blokes chewing the fat. Yeah. And by that, then over they, they, they listen to the dialect. They want to find more. And hopefully yeah. that, if they ever do come on the holidays, they go well, to the Black Country Museum. No, no. We had to go to the Black Country T-shirt shop to get a, a couple of items. And my missus picked a Christmas card up for me for a, um, a chap that I know down uh, on a radio in, in London, Talksport. <laughs> I sent him a Black Country card. Uh, I had to send him uh, another card with the backcountry alphabet on so we could understand what it was. <laughs> but, uh, I, yeah, he said, yeah. I bet he's still picking, scratching his head thinking, what the hell are they saying? <laughs> are they? But oh, I just think it's brilliant. Our dialect is brilliant. Um, you know, it's... it's uh, and the people are brilliant. And I'm proud to be a part of the black country and, uh, you know, a hometown hero, Commonwealth Games. Yeah. Well, you've got to be proud. Got to be. Well, Dave, we're going to go into some more music and then we're going to come back with yet another one of your brilliant awards. And we're back, being happy. We're just having a bit of a rattle off here then and it's it's funny, we're just, you know, talking about some of the incredible stuff that Dave's done and and we're just saying, like, it's visually impaired man myself and blind Dave over there. And it's sometimes, like... With the memories, like, uh, Dave's completely blind, um, severely, oh, I'm rich being blind, but completely blind my left eye and severely partner side. And it's how we remember things. Mm. I mean, with me, a bit of sight. It's not like I remember how things necessarily look, but I, rem- I remember the occasion. Mm. And I think with me, I remember a feeling, a lump in the throat, or as we were saying about the, the Queen's baton. The goosebumps, mm. and I, isn't it funny? We all remember different things than if Lee was it, how Lee would remember it. Have you found that, like David? Yeah, I mean, it ain't about sight with me, obviously, and so it's it's his memories of what I'm. To- I mean, I'm I'm lucky because you know I'm running down the street, and and all the guides are the same. Steve on the front of the tandem, and turn the right, and they'll describe to me what's going on. Mm. You know, so I can run down a street and I could probably tell you what the street looks like. Yeah. And I've got them memories in my head. Uh, you know, I was only talking the other day to Deb and uh, I don't know where we were now, Valley, I think, we were walking and I said, blooming neck, I said, this reminds me coming up this particular dirt track. I said, when we started the one run in the desert and Rose was running with me, there's a bush in the middle of the desert, the only one, and you wouldn't believe there was a stump in the middle of or a you know a, 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 a tree stump. I hit it and went straight over, you know, and I'm lying there on the sand thinking, how come I found the only bush in there? <laughs> but you remember things like that. Yeah. Um and, and different other, you know, occasions, not just adventures, you know, um different places I've been with different people, different things that have happened in the pubs and work and and, and yeah, and yeah, some it triggers it off. Mm. I suppose they sorry to butt in that. I suppose though that sound has a bigger meaning for yeah. you than it probably would have. Yeah. Like you've chose some of the songs tonight, and yeah. I can imagine the meaning that behind them songs is a lot greater than maybe some of ours because you relate to that song and that memory yeah. comes back because because of your exactly. vision. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. You know, it's like. Um, I mean, crying in the ghetto and wet, wet, wet. Them are two karaoke songs which I absolutely slaughter. Which <laughs> you know, but I mean, when I'm in the shower, 
I'm just like wet, wet, wet and Elvis, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm very wet, wet, wet when I'm in the shower. Yeah, I'm very wet. <laughs> the kids say to me, can you shut up? But, uh, but then, you know, Road to Hell reminds me of the desert. Brother Bear, which is um, tell everybody I'm on my way, reminds me of a couple of, of adventures. And and the various music, I mean, it's like <laughs> we had the laugh when we done Alcatraz, you know, swimming from the prison a mile and a half across San Francisco Bay, and we chose Jaws. You're thinking to yourself, well, there's 10 species of shark down there. Why the hell did I choose that? But it, it's what it is, isn't it? You know, and um, different times you've been places where you've had a beer or a coffee or, you know, you've been stuck on the train. And suddenly you may say, I went to, and I go, blimey, that brings a story on. And mm. it's there, isn't it? So for me, it's, it is about the sound, the smell, the touch, uh, listening to people and... Uh, again, you know, because my guides will have a laugh with me, because in the area that I actually live, all them years, they'll say to me, how the hell did you know that there was a cab coming, or there's this, mm. or there's a, a gravel path, there's a cut through there, and I go, when I was a kid, I just remember it, mm. you know, and I've guided the guides, so not guided them literally yeah, yeah. pulling them, but told them where there's a shortcut, but hey-ho, it's life, isn't it? So how old were you when you lost your vision? Good question, that, uh, to be honest with you, Kev. I don't know. Uh, born with a disease, went through mainstream school, 16, my levels started dropping, late teens, through my 20s, it started going. Um, and it was then that I started getting, you know, busy at what I was doing, and I never even realised blindness sneaking up behind me. Uh, you know, one day there was a kettle when I come downstairs, and the next day it had gone. Well, it didn't really happen that quick, but... And I thought, hang on, where's the kettle gone? But I was getting that busy and doing things that I never even realised things was disappearing in front of me. Uh, but I would say, you know, the darkness really come, probably late 20s, early 30s. Um, and it was a blessing in one respect, although people would say a blessing, because I got to the point where I was seeing things, but I wasn't seeing things. And, for example, I was trying to cross the road and I'd look down the street, as you do, look left, look right, you know, Green Cross crowd, and I'd step out, and I'd never seen the car coming. But then the next breath, I'd seen the car. And so when I couldn't see at all, it probably was a blessing because it was getting very dangerous. Items were there one minute and there the next. Now they ain't there at all. So I had to listen and whatever. So I guess, yeah, late 20s, early 30s, when, you know, sort of... It went dark, so to speak. But uh, hey ho. So I think not with gradual blindness. Mm. Um, you get used to it, don't you? If you if you fell over and a stick went in your eye, it mm. bump, and you have to get you have to get used to it very yeah. quickly. But I think a gradual thing. It's I don't know. you get used to it, no. Kev? I think you probably learn to accept it more and learn how to deal with it because mm. it's a gradual, like I don't know. With myself, like, because my eyes, I never get better. I've had it since I was three. They're only going to get worse. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes I know they've got worse. You go to the artist and go, no, they're the same. And I go, well, I, I, I know me better than you know me. Mm. And I know I can't see that. But it, it's a gradual getting used to it. Frustrating, upsetting. Very, 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 that's a word. That I was always used frustrating. You saying that, talking of another story. I was on his reciting this one the other night. You saying about different things and going to. I had to go to the hospital for the last time, actually, the Birmingham my hospital, and my mate took me, 
uh, don't know when I was, probably was 20s. And uh, they called me name and my mate says, just go forward. So I went forward and he said, sit down, son. And so I found the chair and I sat down. He says, uh, he must have been looking at summer. And he said, uh, read the eye chart for me, please. And I went, uh, where's the eye chart? And he went, uh, on the wall. I went, mate, where's the wall? <laughs> <laughs> My mate was helpless. Well, at least the bloke must have, the doctor must have looked up and thought, oh, God, what have I just <laughs> said? He said, Mr. Healy, he said, I will sign you off. We don't need to see you anymore. But... It's moments like that, isn't it? But now a lot of people go, oh, my God, you know, oh, cringe, cringe, cringe. But they were funny moments to me. We, we had a lad on the show, Andy, I can't remember his last name, he, he works for Beacon Centre for the Blind, oh. and he had a pigment, uh, something wrong with his pigments in his eyes, and it's like a tunnel vision, it gets smaller, smaller, oh. smaller, smaller, and it was a sparky by trade, and he knew his eyes were getting worse, and he drove up to the hospital, and um, the doctor says, look, you're going blind, you are blind. And he said, hey, have you got here? He goes, I've drove. And the doctor almost had a heart attack. Said, you what? You've drove here. Yeah. And he says, but on one day, I'd gone. And he goes, I didn't realise how blind I was because it was gradual. <laughs> and he went, so on one day, I lost my car, I lost my job because I was a sparky, and I was disabled. Yeah. And then it, it's not like you have, someone sit down and you go, Mr. Dylan, now that you're blind, we'll, you're blind, deal with it. Yeah. And your whole world... And one consultation has confirmed what you probably knew but didn't want to admit yourself. And there's no help afterwards. There probably is help, but there's no one to guide you no, to the help. Yeah, because you, you, you literally, if you want, somebody's picked your feet up and put them where your head is, mm. and you are literally upside down. And it's a case of one day you can see, the next day you can't. And it's how you deal with it yourself. And it is difficult. You've got to have that. Where I'll go with... You get used to it. You, I, I've never got used to it. I've learned to accept it, but I think you're right. Because it was sort of a gradual over years for me, you do adapt mm. and you do things to help yourself. So it, there's nothing worse than, and I have known people at 40 have lost the sight, and that is tragic. It mm. must be blinking terrible. You know what I mean? You've gone through 40 years and then suddenly something happens. But I you saying mine and yours ain't, but at least we've had an opportunity to be able to, to I don't know, um, not your telegraph post. So you think, oh, that's my telegraph post. Now I turn left. You know mm. what I mean? Turn that way. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But other people have just happened and it's like, hang on a minute, where, where's the telegraph post to put the notch on? Mm. You know, so it, it, it's it's that way, but uh, hey-ho. I've, I've been asked loads of my life, would you rather have lost it now in your late 30s, 40s, mm. because then you could have experienced loads of stuff. Mm. And I went, there's two sides of recording. One way, I could have boxed, I could have drove, I could have... But then you're aware of what you've lost. Yeah, yeah. But on the flip side, at least you could have done it in the first place and... I think that's it. I don't. I don't think either of them's easier. No, 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 no. It is what it is. I mean, I learned to accept it many, many years ago. Now, did I used to worry? I guess I did. Do I worry now? No, I don't. Have I got a great life now? I blooming well have. And I just treat blindness now as a gift. It, I know it's not the gift that I want anybody to have, but it's a mm. gift, and it's gifted me a wonderful life. It also depends what you. Like you think, if you think that you're missing those things, Kev, because 
things like driving, everyone everyone is able to and goes out, gets a driving license, or whatever. But mm. are you really missing that? And would you like would Dave be sitting here now after doing all these challenges if he'd have kept his sight? So although you might be, I see this with my daughter as well. Although she might be missing out on certain normal yeah. things, what we call normal. Yeah. She she gains different experiences that she wouldn't have had if she yeah. was uh, able-bodied. Well, somebody said to me the other day, you know what, Dave, you, I'm lucky. I said, in what way? You don't drive. And I said, am I? And they said, yeah, you ain't got no petrol to find, no tyres to replace, no insurance, no tax. And I says, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, I don't drive. But the missus has got a car, who puts the petrol in? <laughs> <laughs> I said, but who gets wet walking down the street in the winter? But, uh, you know, but so it still costs me. But, but I think, uh, look, we've having sight and I, I think about this it's funny when, I, when I'm high on life and I'm happy being Kevin Dillon you know it don't bother me and they if you had the choice and you could have your eyes I'd go no I'm happy now but other days obviously I would because it would make my life easier when you haven't got to depend on someone to help yeah, you do this. Is, yeah. When you haven't got to depend on someone to help you write a text message. When you haven't got to... It's not about the glorification. Oh, I can box, I could... Try. It, sometimes it's just... Mm. It would make my life and my partner's life easier. Yeah. It's it's a very... it's For any disability, the word is frustrating. Yes. Frustrating frustration. But, I mean, the way I look at it now is I wouldn't be known as Blind Dave, would I? <laughs> and I think it all depends on the day, doesn't he? As I say, when I'm super Kev, nothing above me, but other days, and it's normally when you've had a couple of hiccups and you're looking at stuff and you're thinking, this is so easy to everyone else. And I think that's when it gets a bit harder. But, you know, I think sometimes as well, when you're such a positive person, we had a, a wonderful woman, uh, Kerry Davis, on, who's got disability and she does mascots for um, for disabled and disadvantaged kids. And I said it to her and I'll say to you, the problem is when you are a positive person, people forget that you have wobbles. <laughs> you know, because they'll say, like, you're down. You get, and you're thinking, well, I am human. <laughs> you know what I mean? I am allowed to have a wobble as well. Yeah, I mean... Don't get me wrong, I mean, I'm my own worst enemy, as Deb says, because people don't treat me half the time or realise that I am blind. Mm. Um, but you know what? I don't even really. Majority of the time, it's very, very rare I even go into it now where I think, oh, you're blind. Mm. I just get on with what I do. I've been in my workshop today. <clears throat> you know, I'm making uh, a bookcase at the moment and a few other items. Uh I'll go out running tomorrow. I've been on the bike today. Uh, you know, I've, I've dropped a taxi over here. Um, but I never come out the house going, <coughs> excuse me, oh, what am I going to do now because I'm blind? Mm. I don't even think about it anymore. I really don't. It's just life is what life is. And, mm. you know, it's like, it's it's very, very few and far between. I even think about it anymore. And so, as Deb says, you, you are your one worst enemy because the way you get on with things, half the time people don't even realise you're blooming blind. Mm. But that's fine. That's me. I ain't bothered. I'm quite happy the way I am, thanks. You say that, I did, uh, when we were once again in London, we were talking about different hotels and you went somewhere and it has um, 360 para, para 
what's the word? View. Oh, you could look through every. Oh. What's the word? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you could see out of every window in a circle. <laughs> yeah. And they'd give you this brilliant thing and you said like, oh, I'm blind, so I can't. But the honour of having this spectacular room with the view was magnificent. Mm-hmm. But then you went somewhere else and you told them you're blind and they basically put you in in the cupboard. airing cupboard. Panoramic. Panoramic. No, no, no. <laughs> that, was, that was, no, it was the lads that was moaning because we did the, uh, we was in Rio. In the in the Copacabana Palace Hotel, would you believe? And <laughs> they chucked me in the penthouse suite, <laughs> and this penthouse suite had that three hundred and sixty panoramic view, and of course the other lads were chucked in um, little rooms with our bluey windows, or looking over a wall, and there was always a, what's the blind bloke got a panoramic <laughs> view for when we? That's what I am moaning. <laughs> but but did uh, you go somewhere else? And you mentioned it, you and Deb, and I think your daughter's with you. And you mentioned you were blind and they put you somewhere else? Oh, they chucked us down in the basement. And um, that was a little bit of a... Because I had the guide dog as well. And that was a little bit of... Um, mm, oh, he's blind. There's a guide dog. We'll chuck him out of the way. Well, we moaned and groaned. And then we got an upgrade somewhere else uh, a few months later that we was doing. But, you know, regardless of whatever you've got as a disability, nobody should treat you like a... You know, a second-class citizen. No. And so, yeah, there is times about me, man. Believe you and me. And because, uh, as much as I'm a very plastic chap, <laughs> I can, uh, I, I can look after myself in that respect. So, but anyway, Cause I think nine times out of ten, I don't. I just get on with it and laugh at them. I think sometimes with it is like because obviously, we've opened this can of worms. Like we've always talked about mental health, and now we're being advocates for dis- disabled people and disabilities. And sometimes when, like me, a high function, I run a boxing club, you know, and do all this. And then we went to a bank and I always tell this story and I've had this all my life. Someone is treating me as, you know, the witty, semi-funny kind of bloke that I am. Then you mention a disability. (laughs) (laughs) Mum. (laughs) But then you mention a disability and then it's, uh, and they start talking to the person you're with. Oh, that. <laughs> I love it. And, and why do you think that is? Do you think it's because they're uncomfortable or uncomfortable and embarrassed? I think half the time, and they don't know how to approach disability. Um, and you don't get that, as we've said before, you don't get that too much abroad. People accept it. Mm. I mean, you know what, what is great because the the we've we've um, over the years we've gone to a place. Uh, which was specific for blind people at one time. It now covers all disabilities. Windermere Manor up in Cumbria, brilliant place. And we've took the kids there from when there was dots. In fact, I think a couple of them was conceived there. Um, <laughs> but because they've been a part of uh, my world, the disabled world, wheelchair world, whatever, uh, now they, they don't even blink an eyelid. Because if there's a wheelchair person, user, whatever you want to call them these days, I don't know, was at the door, they would automatically go over and not feel sorry. They'd go, can I help the door for you? Yeah. And if I say no, they'll say, okay. Or if I say, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they've, you know, they've just learned to accept and it's been brilliant for them and they've learned a hell of a lot. A hell of a lot. And uh, I just think it's that embarrassment with people. How do we handle him? What do we say? Oh, my God. Where do we grab him? What? Do, oh, my life. What happens if I put him on the chair and he falls? Oh, my life. You know. And I just wish people would get over that. But 
it's education, isn't it? We talk a lot about that, don't we, Lee? Like, sometimes it's... Mm. Well, if I offer to open the door for that person, will it... I would, I would rather, in terms to clear off, but I know I've tried. Mm. And nine times out of ten, people will go, thank you, that's lovely. Yeah, exactly. And I'd do the same for a pregnant woman or, you know, when you're on a bus or a train, if someone... I'm a fit bloke, you know, if someone needs to sit down who's more deserving, who, who, who might want it, I will naturally stand up because it's called being kind. It's, it's the same, though, with... respected, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But it's the same with um, the mental health talks and the, the talk about bereavement. Everyone's afraid of that talk because they're afraid of the answer they'll get back exactly. or they're afraid of the embarrassment or yeah, they're exactly. you know and it's it, it all kind of fits under the same the same banner of course it does. it's it's, it's all fear of the person asking the question i think i think people are beginning to open up more so in this era uh and conversations are having and it, it's getting better because people now communicate at one time let's face it Go back 30 years, 40 years, disability was closeted. Mm. And it is to a degree still now, but it's getting better. And, you know, eventually we'll get there. It's going to take a bit of a while. But like everything, isn't it, you know, uh, disability and many other things, we'll get there eventually. It'll be accepted. Everybody will be treated the same and people will get on with their lives. But there's always going to be that time where people have got to learn and I do believe that a lot of it stems from the school and education. Well, well David, it's not that long ago that uh, people with disabilities or children with disabilities, should I say, um, didn't have schools to go to. Exactly. You know, yeah. and we, we've come a long way, really, in a short time. But, it, it, you know, and it, it needs to keep going the same direction. Of course. But we're getting there, I think. Yeah. But, it, you know, it's time. But, hey-ho. Hopefully we got a bit of it. So I, I think that's why it's great. Like you go into schools, don't you? And on that last show, you were telling us and you're explaining about a guide dog. Yeah. And how are you supposed to know? Unless no one's ever taught you, John. I mean, what when you go into schools? I mean, you explained it brilliantly last time. And I'll, I'll ask you to repeat it now. What kind of things you tell the? the... Sorry, sorry, Dave. Can you just move to your left a bit for me, mate? That way. That's it. That's okay. better. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean. Obviously, not having the opportunity to go into schools at this moment, and I am looking forward to going back in there, because I love talking to the kids, mm. uh, because you can tell them and they will listen, and you know, you'll know you tell them what a guide dog is, <clears throat> is about, what a guide dog can do, how a guide dog helps you. You know, you can talk about blindness. I can't talk about uh, other disabilities, because I don't have them. But I can talk about blindness and you know, uh, such things as Braille and audio books and the technology there is there that I'm limited to, but, you know, my computer talks to me. And the kids, they love it because they love to know. Mm. And then, you know, I've stood in the playground afterwards while I've been waiting for things and you can hear them. Mom, Dad, Uncle, Aunt, whatever. Uh, Dave's got a guy dog. And when he's got that harness, this is what happens. And, then, and it's a learning curve. So not only do the kids learn, they love then to pass on the information because, for me, I think they feel quite chuffed that they're teaching adults something they didn't know. So it, it all works, doesn't it? Could you tell us a little bit about guide dogs for everyone out there listening? Because I think it's... We see the adverts, but we don't actually... Once again, people don't want to ask questions about it. Guide dogs, it's quite simple. 
what a guide dog is is exactly what it says it's a it's a dog that guides you you have a harness on a dog um there's many <clears throat> many breeds now the guide dog association they will train a dog from a puppy there's a, a puppy walking a puppy walking period where it could be up to 10 months 12 months where uh, a normal household will have a dog uh, as in puppy and and we got to take your hats off to them because they take all the the mess and the the wean in the kitchen and the chewing and the table legs but then they walk them and they get them used to the noises on the street they'll take them into a cafe bar on a bus on a train and get them used to everyday noises uh, and then from there on in they'll come to a trainer who will teach them left and right and then we've got the called the straight line method where they'll teach them to follow a footpath. It may curve to the left, it may curve to the right, but they stay on that particular footpath until you hit a curb and then you know you either cross the road or you turn a left or a right. Um, and at this particular moment in time the trainer will have some idea of the speed, the temperament, the character of the dog. And then normally they've got a guide dog owner then they'll say, Ah, this dog may suit Dave, or this dog may suit so and so they'll try and match you and they'll give you the opportunity to walk with that dog for a couple of times to see whether it actually suits your needs uh, and then from there on in depending on what your work is or what you do if you catch a bus or a taxi then when on the train they'll they'll do that they'll work with you on a bus or a train they'll work with you on your particular you know routes and they'll probably initially do three or four routes that you do regular that's a question uh, then, I've always wanted to ask, you know. Yeah, and then from there on in, you know, once once you've sort of qualified with a dog or passed your test, that's when you really start to learn because you and the dog then become, over a period of months, one. You become a team. Mm -hmm. And you know what the dog is capable of and the, cap the dog then sort of knows your needs. So you get to know each other as a little team and that's when you really start learning. And uh, it's brilliant, but you know you, you've got a companion when i travel or did travel on the trains i had a, a companion on the trains and i know it sounds daft but you only a lad under the table you know just mm. oh what a people think you're talking to yourself but you're right but <laughs> the dog makes you feel you know uh, i don't know just gives you that ease makes you feel comfortable um in social circles you know it's 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 easier for people that do oh that's a lovely dog what is it what's his name we are and, and he creates conversations, so it does a lot for you, you know what I mean? It, so it, it, it opens up mobility, it gives you independence, it, it'll enhance social lives, um, and, and people realise that it ain't just a dog, you know, it's an extension of your left arm, and, you know, it, it basically becomes your life, your eyes. And so guide dogs are, are important, very important, and... Uh, you know, I'm 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 in between dogs at the moment, and you know, with the pandemic, there's been problems with training, which we, you know, like all walks of life. But hopefully next year, uh, there may be that dog that's ready for me. They find it or feel is compatible with my lifestyle, and away we go again. But at the moment, you just got to be patient and get on with it. But when you're training, when the person's coming over to train the dog, like say, like you want to go to a specific pub or you have to get on the number nine bus mm. or how does that go to, how does the dog know what the number nine bus is or how does it know what post they don't I mean this is the fallacy where they think oh they're led to read the buses <laughs> now they don't you know that if, you are, if I want to for argument's sake 
I want to go, you know, to West Bromwich on the bus. You know which bus stop. And at that, you know which bus he stopped there. There could be a selection of three buses. Uh, when I used to catch the 74 or the 79, a 74 would take me to Dudley, a 79 to Wensbury. So you're standing at the bus stop and nine times out of ten, the bus will pull up. All right, mate, 74. Thank you very much. Now I'm looking for a 79. And half the time, he's just behind me, mate. And so the next bus pulls up. And it's 79, mate. Oh, thank you very much. And you pop on. And if you get to the railway station, there's there's plenty of help there. You can ring a, a jet, what they call journey care. And you book it, and they will be expecting you at the station. They'll meet you. They'll pop you on the train. They'll put you to your seat. They'll meet you at the other end. They'll perhaps take you to a taxi. Or then if you get the other end, you know where you're going. You might catch a bus or walk. Uh, but it's teamwork. And but it's it's something that you can't really... Explain, explain, you know, like I always say, you've got to be behind a guide dog to appreciate exactly what they do. But you learn, you know, there's a couple of pubs I, I used to go to and when I do get me new dog, they'll suddenly know that them's the pubs I go to and if we turn left, we go into pub X and if we go in right, we go into pub Y. But you know, or if you ain't going to that pub and you go into a, a li the library, two doors up, you'll go, not today, mate, on we go. Mm. And they go, oh, so they'll poke their head in the library and he could be, no, go to the barbers instead. Come on, mate. On you. Mm -hmm. And that's the sort of regiment and the regime and the, and the routine. And your dog then will look in the door and you just say, not today, mate. On you go. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but it takes a few months, probably 12 months to get to that kind of level. But when the dog understands and knows what you want and you understand how the dog operates, that's how we come together. You're even like asked this on the phone once, like a question I've always wanted to know, when the dog needs to go to the toilet, where to go, but is it called a set? No, spend. Spend. A, a spending. Well, we got a pen in the garden and what they do try is that when you fed them, you, you try, or they'll try and train them to sort of spend in the morning or spend at night so that when they've had food, you know, the dog, yeah, pop them in the pen. Come on, mate, let's get busy. Bloody, bloody, blah. Hopefully they've spent, they've done what they've got to do. And nine times out of ten, they won't spend on a walk. Mm -hmm. But if they do, some dogs will sort of take you to a bit of grass um, or they'll go towards the, the, the curb. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I've had four dogs now. I had one that used to spend on most walks and the other three, very, very rare. I had a problem with them pooing. Mm. Um, but it, it's the dog it's it's the method it's what you can offer them it's, you know what I mean but you'll get caught out at some point but pretty good on the whole they're good well, I've, I've, hopefully that's answered some questions have you got any questions about guide dogs? Um, just really because I've got two dogs at home and obviously they're, they're they're not that I'd class that as a kind of a working dog yeah you know but, and mine, mine aren't so is it is it the same as having a pet, or because I know, like when we see when we're walking around, and see people with guide dogs, we ask before we stroke them. Whereas you necessarily wouldn't do that with no, a, with no, any dog. And that, that's what helps a lot of guide dogs because you don't want that that distraction. But now when they're working and the harness is up, you know, we'll always say, you know, give us a shout. Look, excuse me, yeah, would you mind if I, if you're in a hurry, you go look, can I do it tomorrow? But nine times out of ten, I'd say, yeah, okay, drop the harness, give him a fuss, okay, lovely, thank you, Dave, and on you go. But when you were told, they am a pet. Pet. You know, so, you so, the harness off, yeah. they'll go around the garden, they go around the house, they've got their basket, they've got their ball, and when you take them for a free run over the park, you know, 
they're just a pet then, really. Them, them, you know, but a well-trained pet. Yeah. And the idea is, you know, to get them to sort of come back to you as because obviously not seeing them, you want to know where they are. Mm-hmm. So you'll just do that. Oi, oi, come on, mate. I come back, good lad, you know, a good girl. Give him a treat, and then that's. But that's that's a build up of trust over. Over months and and I suppose know. it's kind of like us day when we put our work gear on, we're going mm-hmm. to work, and they understand that with exactly. the harness. And you'd be surprised, majority of the guide dogs now, once the harness is in the hand, they'll come, they'll have it on, and they do. It's like a bang, they've changed, and that's my experience of the four that I've had. So, uh, and I can't see any others are going to be hopefully any different. You you saying that though, like when you send the dog off running, <laughs> I uh, I bet it does seem like forever when you're saying, "Come here, Patch." And Patch takes ages to yeah. cook. I, I, I sometimes, like, it's different. But like, with my daughter, like, so she's at my house, so I'm going, Jasmine, Jasmine. And I can feel me up going, is she okay? She's safe. Have a loss. And then she'll pop up bed somewhere, you know. I'm here, Daddy. But that, it's only three seconds, but it seems like a lifetime. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, we get it. I mean, Seamus, my last dog, he was a... He, he got selective hearing, that one. <laughs> <laughs> used to let him off over the park. And I'd go, oi, and it was like, now nah, there's something more interesting over it. I'll come back in a minute. And you know he really was, because they put a collar with bells on. You know he's there. And you think, come on, you little so-and-so, I need to get gone. And then eventually they'll trot over as if to say, um, well, I'm ready now. Um, you know, you know, they am characters. They but, am characters. But I imagine when you're on your own, like if Dable, mm. but when you're on your Todd and it disappears, mm. it does seem like a long time, doesn't it? Well, yeah, but I never really used to free run them on my own. Mm. Me and Deborah go and have a walk and we let, so we can always see them. But, uh, you know, that was when we free run them or whatever. But nine times out of ten with Seamus, he was working a lot of the time, get his exercise. But And then Deborah said, shall we have a walk? Yep, and we take him over the back. And he has his free run. And, but it, it, it was lovely, you know. He would come back. But, as I say... Sometimes he had selective ear in the little <laughs> toe rag. It's so educational, and I think we don't have enough conversations mm. like this because I can see the day coming eventually where I have to have a guide dog. Mm. So education for someone like myself and from, you know, I, I think more we could talk about these taboo subjects, mm. easier it is, isn't it, well, to I make? Think, I think the, the likes of guide dogs, they do have speakers and they do have people going into schools, but I really do think they should have more... Um, you know, an education in school should be a little bit more on, on all sorts of subjects, but it's it's like everything, isn't it? It's time and money, isn't it? Um, and for them to get people to go in. But nine times out of ten, if people ask me, I'll go in, I'll give them a little bit of a rundown. The kids love the dog, or they'll see the stick, or they'll see me braille machine, you know. And it's, but it's different for them, isn't it? Get them out of a maths lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're going to go to a few more songs and then we're going to come on to your very special awards. So please stick with us. And we're back. The Black Country Blokes chewing the fat on our home of Black Country Extra with the very special uh, Blind Dave. So, Dave, let's talk about this once again a magnificent (laughs) award. What have you had, old pal? Oh, blimey, I'll roll it, mate. Uh, 14th of December, what was that? A week, Monday gone. Um, I went to Windsor Castle and I picked up my OBE. Well done. Uh, Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, 
I knew about it in 2020. It was in the Queen's Birthday Honours in 2020. Um, just briefly to tell you the story, an email popped through on my system in May 2020, and it's got honours, what was it, honours or something? And I'm thinking, somebody taking their mick here. So I shouted, Deb, and I went, Deb, what's this here? And it was ready to me, honest. And they went, about time. And I went, what do you mean about time? You knew about this. And this says, I've been working with people and letters and yeah. knocking doors and answering questions for a long time. Oh, flipping up. Well, I don't mind admitting it again. It, 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 it knocked me speechless for a long time. And the, the eyes started sweating. Yeah. And it was quite an emotional moment. And I went, and Deb says, you know, and I went, well, I'm glad somebody thinks I'm, you know, I deserve it or, and people, because you never know who's nominated you. Mm -hmm. You'll never, ever know who's nominated you. And then um, it went on and it was announced in the October. Uh, and then because of COVID, obviously, they asked, would we like you presented locally? And I said, this is never going to happen to me again. No, I'll wait until restrictions are lifted. Uh, I want it, you know, done properly. And so restrictions were lifted. We had the letter. Uh, invited to um, Windsor Castle on the 14th of December, as I said last week, and um, Princess Anne, she pinned the pinned the medal on me, and uh, it was just incredible. It was although I'd I'd known about it for a long time, and it was official, but it was official when I pinned it on me <coughs> me suit, and uh, it's special. I feel very proud. I feel very privileged. Do I deserve it? Um, I I honestly don't know. There's probably other people out there who deserve it more, maybe. No, you deserve it, old uh, pal. But somebody is very, very kindly, or some bodies have very, very kindly nominated me. And Deb was talking to somebody at Windsor Castle, one of the, the people who were involved with the, the presentation and whatnot, and he was saying to Deb, look, apparently there's one in four applicants are accepted. They look into your history and whatnot, and he said, "You don't just get this for somebody's giving it to you. They tip you upside down, you know, your life, and and you get it. So it ain't luck. It's it's the way it is. So as I say, I feel very privileged. Um, it is that ultimate thank you, isn't it? Mm. You know, I, I do loads of things, and it's nice at the end when somebody says, Dave, thank you for that,' and you think." That's all I want to hear, really. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want no drums and bands and whatnot. But it's that thank you. But when you get a thank you such as this, an OBE, it's like, wow. It's a national thank you. Mm -hmm. And I do. I feel extremely proud, as I say. And I can't, I'm sorry if I keep repeating myself, but I feel extremely proud, extremely privileged. And it is an absolute honour. It's um, an honour for us as well, because you represent the Black Country when you do this, you know, like you represent think, yeah. all of us. I mean, you know, my hometown of West Bromwich is, and Sandwell, the Black Country, the West Midlands, and you now the country if you want to, but mm. I'm, a, I'm, a local, I'm a local lad. I'm born and bred in West Brom, which, is, which, which was when I was born uh, Staffordshire. It's now uh, Sandwell and the West Midlands. And I am proud to come from this area. And, and I've also got the, the, the Freeman, or I was made a Freeman of the Borough of Sandwell. And so, you know, I'm, a, I'm that, I'm, 
or one of I think it's 16 Freeman now um, and, I, and I, I'm an ambassador for Sandwell and uh, you know I'll promote and I'll fly the flag um, for West Brom Sandwell the black country wherever I go and I'm a I'm a I'm proud to say where I'm from and people say you know is this going to change you no it ain't going to change me in the slightest because who I am is what I am or what you get or what you see is what you get and the kids have already titled me OBE I'm now the old blind Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing like some kids to bring you back there to yeah, earth exactly. is there? <laughs> but you know it's a proud moment it's fantastic but I'm still blind Dave end off I run out I ride out I swim I'm a part of, I talk here and I talk there. There's no airs and graces. I am exactly as I am. And that's, that's I hope, how I always will be. And that's how I want people to know me as. So, uh, but it was a fantastic occasion. Uh, you know, Windsor Castle. I think, or I believe, that our country does pomp and ceremony absolutely marvellously with the best in the world the royal family is a fantastic ambassadorial family for this country but when you walk into windsor castle i think there was no so yeah 71 other people were having uh, uh, receiving awards that day um through various ones and military awards but they make you feel as though it's you individual um you know you your name struck off. You, you walk through the castle rooms. We the sixth room on the left, which was the king's drawing room. You stand in there. Your name's called. You wait. I was presented to Princess Anne. Oh, we had a right old cackle and a, and a <laughs> giggle. Uh, don't ask me what we spoke about, but the only thing was I remember the last bit, because what they say is, Princess Anne likes a little chat. Sometimes it's ten seconds. Sometimes it's three minutes, you know, it depends on the mood, I mean, I guess. And, uh, well, anyway, I was talking to her, it seemed like forever. <laughs> and Deb said, she was there about three minutes, rabbiting. I said, what happened at the end? Because I was killing herself, for laughing. Well, I don't know, have you come back? And I said, so with all these marathons, she said, you're looking very well on it, she said, David. And I said, well, if you don't mind me saying so. And I guess, coming from a blind bloke, and I'm probably due for a slap here. I said, but you'd have yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and at that I said, I am going to take that as the ultimate compliment. <laughs> and there was a giggling away. And, but we did, we had a great laugh. And you know what? I can't remember what I spoke about. It just was conversation. But she was lovely. Uh, the wardens, the police, the people within the castle were fantastic. Um, medal put on, in a box, pictures taken, we went out, we got in the car, we drove down the long walk or the long road, went back to the hotel, got changed, back into joggers, crossed the road, had a coffee, and we sit in there with a coffee cup and line table tablecloth, and both me and Deb said, have we just been in that castle at dawn? <laughs> We're just done. And it's like, wow, come home, and life is back to normal. But I've got my medal, I've got an OBE, and again, I said, sorry for keep saying it, but I am proud and privileged. And what I would like to say as well, because it's, it's my name, it's, it's, it's Dave Healy, Blind Dave as I'm known, is against the award, 
But you know what? This award I now hold and recognise is for Team Blind Dave. Yeah. Because my guides, both running, swimming, uh, cycling, uh, for Deb, the family, for friends and family who support, and there, they are the backroom boys and girls. They make me who I am. They help me to do what I do. This award, yes, it's my name on it, but it's for all of us. And it's an OBE for Team Blind Dave. And so, uh, you know, I feel... I, well, I feel I owe them a lot. And uh, I salute a lot of them. So, you know, thank you to everybody, the people who nominated me, to, as I say, the team that is Team Blind Dave. Thank you all for 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 making it happen for me. Yeah, brilliant, bruv. That's uh, really nice. And on about uh, bike riding, you've got yet another adventure coming up, oh, haven't you? Oh, blimey, I. Well, 2020 saw us escaping from Colditz. Um, and taking you back to 2020 again, uh, this ride came about me and Tom talking. Colditz, a bike ride, let's escape. But 2020 was the act, actually the 75th anniversary of the, the liberation of Colditz. Um, I found out that after the war, the castle, Colditz itself, became an iron family for a, for a while. Um, 2020, obviously, is a, a visionary thing, isn't it? 2020 vision. A blind bloke on the back of a tandem. So it all fell in. And so the challenge is, or was then, to escape out of cold. We're going to spend a couple of nights in the castle and then effectively escape. And then we're going to cycle 800 miles uh, back through Germany, Holland, and then uh, back through uh, from Harwich in uh, in England back to, to the Hawthorns, which is going to be 800 miles. However, the pandemic struck. 2020 got postponed. I rearranged for 2021 April. The, postpone, uh, the, the restrictions hit us again, postponed. So I've now re 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 revamped it again. So hopefully in April next year, 2022, third time lucky, fingers crossed. The team, we're all going out to Colditz. We're going to spend them couple of nights. We're going to escape on the 18th. We're going to cycle over seven days, the 800 miles, come back to the Hawthorns. And uh, again, it's supporting the Albion Foundation. But we have had a little twist which is a very, very, very sad twist. Uh, one of the lads, one of our mates who was going to ride with us, fabulous rider, absolutely incredible chap, proper gentleman. Sadly, he got killed um, earlier this year um, on a motor scooter and uh, he was involved in a road accident. So he sadly will not be making it. But I've spoke to Joe, his wife, and at the funeral, I also spoke to his mom. And what I'm going to do is I'm dedicating the ride now, although it's for the Albion Foundation, I'm dedicating the ride in uh, Dave Siner's name. We're going to have a full-size photograph of Dave on his bike on the vehicles. And so he is actually going to be riding with us every mile. Mm. And, uh, you know, he's going to be with us, sadly in spirit, but his memory will be with us. Joe and the family are absolutely over the moon. And as Joe said... He would have loved this. You know, he is going to be a part of you, although he won't know it, but he's going to be with us. And uh, that image on those vehicles is going to keep the other lads and lasses, you know, focused. And 
I'm sure Dougie will be shouting back. Dave's watching us. So it just keeps you going, doesn't it? <laughs> so that is the hope uh, that restrictions allowing. We'll float out to Colditz on the 14th of April. We leave Colditz on the 18th of April. And the hope is over seven days, 800 miles. We ride into the Hawthorns and, uh, well, raise awareness and hopefully a few bob for the, the foundation. On the last day at Meriden, which is, um, and uh, per temps, they, they support and sponsor me tremendously and sponsor the, the foundation. We're going to ride to the head office, which is in Meriden, and at the top of their drive is a memorial, a cycle memorial um, to cyclists through the, the, the world wars. And we're going to meet there, we're going to have some snap, and hopefully there's going to be a few dignitaries, some ex-players, um, there's going to be quite a, a few of us all meet. And the last 25 miles, we're, we're going to saunter in with all shapes, all sizes, all kind of bikes, and uh, we're going to ride back to the Hawthorns again, as I said. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the Lord Lieutenant will be there to welcome us back. Um, a couple of the dignitaries will be the likes of Andy Street, who's going to join us. And uh, there's a couple of ladies, Anne and um, Laura from um, the West Midlands Combined Authority, they're going to join us. Hoping that if the Chief Constable's not on his holidays, he's going to join us and there's going to be a few other people, friends, family. Um, some of Dave Signer's ex-club riders, I'm hoping they're going to join us. And there could be 30, there could be 50 of us all cycling from Meriden, um, back through Sutton, down the Newton Road and into the Hawthorns. And, uh, you know, it'll be a, a very uh, emotional... Well, it's going to be an emotional ride anyway, but a last emotional 25 miles, um, supported by lots of people, raising, as I say, plenty of awareness for the foundation. So that is what it's going to be about. I'm just hoping the restrictions will allow us to get to Germany and obviously to get back. Um, fingers crossed, toes crossed, everything crossed. Let's think positive. It's going to happen. And not about being positive. If you look back over these last many years, would you believe that that you and your mate doing that seven marathons in seven days, would you believe in all this time you began an OBE? Do you be, from what you did then has created this legacy mm. that you've now got? No, I wouldn't. I, I mean... You know, it's crazy, but the major the major things I've done is like, obviously, in 20, 2008, the seven marathons, 2011, I've done Johnny Groves Land's End, which was 10 marathons and 700 miles of combined cycling over 10 days. And and then I've done seven days crossing the continent. We've done uh, the MDS, the desert. We've done Alcatraz, the swim from the prison. I've done all the great runs, the Great Wall of China, the Comrades Ultra Double Marathon in South Africa. and leading up to the Colditz ride. And those are just some of the bigger adventures we've done. I never in my wildest dreams thought that, well, I never even contemplated that there was going to be an award anyway. Uh, you know, and we all say it. I don't do it for that reason. 
I do it for the particular charity that I'm supporting and now it is the Albion Foundation. So I do it to create awareness. It's lovely to get a thank you. Mm-hmm. And on the way, <clears throat> I've, I have collected a few awards and uh, it's blooming wonderful. And uh, again, I'm proud of every single one of them. But, you know, the icing on the cake is certainly the OBE. But if you'd have asked me in 2008, you, you, you know, are you expecting this in? I've got... Don't talk silly. Mm. People like Blind Dave, the old blind old codger from West Brom, don't get things like this, and I'm not particularly out there to to wish for it, but it's come. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. Is it going to stop me? No. Will it spare me on? Yes. And the charity that I'm supporting now also spares me and inspires me. So <clears throat> until my body said, that's enough. I'm going to keep doing something, whatever it is. Could be the egg and spoon race next year. I'm not much <laughs> capable of that. But I'll keep doing and supporting. And, uh, you know, hopefully I'll tell you in mm, three, four months. Wow, what a fantastic ride. And I'm going to discuss it all with you and tell you the stories. And then we'll be building up for the next one, wherever that is going to be. But there'll be another one, I'm sure. Well, brother, very good looks. It's only around the corner now. Yeah. I mean, we've um, got our last 10 minutes. So, with Christmas around the corner, what are we all looking forward to? Me, anything like we've like last year, and we, I think it was me and when Cherry was on our show the other, the other week, and it was, oh, well, all I want for Christmas is to be with my mum. All I want to be is to have my friends. And we were so intent last year on we weren't going to spend 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 we were just going to be with a family and we were going to tell those we loved them we loved them and one year on that little consumer monkey's back on our back going yeah. bye 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 mm. anything well, yeah but we haven't although we have you know because obviously there's things that we've got for the kids and for different ones but sorry cutting in on you then Kevin. No, you're fine. saying what I'm looking forward to you know our mum hadn't been out of the house because she had a stroke three years ago. She hadn't been out of the house for three years. And uh, the two youngish went and got her out last week. And they got her in the car, now they're driving. And they got her up to our house. And she spent a couple of hours only. But she loved it. I bet she and did. And she come up and she oh, this is the, oh, look at the cats. And the, mm. So I'm looking forward now because we know that the girls will go and get a Christmas morning. Yeah. So Christmas morning... We won't be taking a dinner down to her. Yeah. She'll be coming and having a Christmas dinner with us. Um, and then we've got Deb's mom, um, because Deb's mom is spending this year uh, with a, a son. She can get to her son's because it's their turn, like. And then Boxing Day, we'll have the mother in law up. Um, and then we've also got other family members that are coming. So, as you say, we will have the family around us this year. We will have a laugh and a joke. We will have a few beers. Maybe I'll even get a trot out over Christmas or maybe I'll have a bit of a rest, getting prepared for some hard training for next year. But this year, yeah, commercially, it's going to cost us a few, Bob. But we am looking forward to actually having friends and family actually walking through our front door instead of being on that telephone or, or on FaceTime. So it's going to be different. A noise around the table, a Christmas cracker actually pulled. 
and then you know I'm gonna have to hide me um my Toblerone away <laughs> I do tend to sneak a little piece you know but there's too many of them it'll all be gone in one <laughs> well I keep saying to, to those who watch my short videos on Instagram the best gifts that we can give people this year is time yeah definitely and instead of building tat that's cost you a fortune yeah build memories yeah because yeah. they'll last a lot longer definitely and what are you what are you uh, looking forward to Mr Cudman not seeing me a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Having a holiday away from me. <laughs> having, having a break. That'd be great. <laughs> I'm glad you for that comment. <laughs> yeah, that's why he got it in before I could. Yeah, yeah, he knows yeah. my game it, it doesn't hurt you know as what? much if it comes from me. <laughs> I do say the truth hurts. <laughs> but no, but you know what? This this is probably the last year where my kids will believe in Santa. Santa mm. is real. I'll let all the kids know out there. Yeah. But yeah. The, the, these kids grow up and they, they stop believing in it. And I think this is... My, my my eldest doesn't anymore. You know, she's at that age. She hasn't for a few years. My son coming up, he still does. Um, so I'm just looking forward... Cause you you forget about this as you get older. Christmas is such a magical time for children, is it? We we kind of have the stress of Christmas as adults yeah. and the buying of stuff and the arranging Christmas days and cooking meals and it, it kind of turns it into a stress instead of something that is what it should be, something that it's, it's getting lovely. families together, get, having a great time. Exactly. Um, well, I don't care what you've just said. I shall leave my little glass of milk and my mince spite <laughs> for Santa and for Rudolph on Christmas Eve tomorrow night and I'm hoping I'll have I'm only going to keep one open this year you know just in case I do see the elves but Santa is real he's coming up I believe we've been to Lapland <laughs> we've seen him and he's real gosh but as you yeah. said it's, it's, it's a time of magic isn't it yeah that's it and it's going to be great about, it's going to be that last year where, where yeah, that's yeah. happening within our magic household moments. so I'm going to cherish that of course, magic moments, exactly. And as you say, it's the one day of the year where I don't mind waking up early. You know, whatever time. He's been, he's been. Brilliant. We, we, we've had um, the magic, the naughty elf. Oh, Nanny. We've, we've never had a naughty elf, but Nanny, God bless her, bought Jasmine a naughty elf. And every night, we have to be naughty with it. We have to put it and sometimes you're lying in bed and you go, blooming neck. I forgot the elf. The elf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Down. Where are we going to... Uh, but even that, and it's every day, it's excitement. I it's, know. Where, where is he, Daddy? Where, I don't know when we're going with it. He's in the fridge or he's... he's do, and it, it's... As you say, we've only got certain few years... You've got a of, time period? You of have. of yeah. absolute, pure and utter magic Magic. and bewildering. Is it is it real? Of course. Well, why would Dad lie to me? Of course, it's real. Yeah, and, exactly. and as we get older, we question everything. We question things. We question the media. We question politics. At that time, isn't it wonderful what being a think? child? The innocence, the naive, the magic, the excitement, the wish, the letter. Am I going to get? Yeah. It might be a little disappointment for some, <laughs> you know. But, hey-ho, oh, I just think for kids, it's a magical, magical time of the year and uh, long may, you know, continue. We were lucky enough that we've been to Lapland and, as I said, I've met Santa and his naughty elves and the reindeer. And, wow, what a magical place he lives in. 
fantastic. I'd love to do it, as you say, because you've only got that. If I get the opportunity, believe you me, if I get the opportunity to go back, I'll go back. Because you only get that small window, don't you, of when it is just wow. But I want everyone, you know, as we're, we're almost at the end now, I want everyone to enjoy Christmas. And it's not about what we spend or how much we've spent, because let's face it, a lot of us have had the worst financial couple of years where our... our you speak for yourself, I the last 40 years of financial... <laughs> <laughs> and it's been tough and people have lost jobs. And so once again... Instead of buying a £5 card, as Dave says, make a card, make memories and just put a bit of love out there and while we can, go and have a drink with your old pal, be it a coffee or a bevy, go knock on the door, go and show people that they're loved Mm -hmm. and give people that. That's what, in my opinion, Christmas is all about, is love and showing people that they're loved. You know what I mean? Pick up the call and just be there. Not now, though, Dave. Not now, though, Dave. <laughs> I forgot to turn it off again. <laughs> Is there any Christmas wishes you'd like to give, uh, Lee? I think you've just said them all, Kev, to be quite honest. Yeah. <laughs> well. I, I, I mean, if I can, my my last shot on, you know, for this, for this year on the radio is I'd just like to, to wish... All of your listeners, and I don't know them like you know them, but I'd just like to wish all of your listeners who have sadly been bored listening to me, but regardless, have a very Merry Christmas. And I just hope, since it's an absolutely incredible 2022, I hope that it is, in speech marks, Happy New Year with a touch of normality back. Well, guys, we're at the end now. So once again, go, subscribe to our YouTube channel, listen to our podcast, spread the word, but even more important, spread the love, because what we want now is for kindness to be as contagious as it ever has been. I wish you all a wonderful Christmas and a Boston New Year. So until we see each other next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Terror bit.